You're listening to The Owen 60. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Owen 60 Pod for all the latest news from around the OHL. And now here are your hosts, Reese Dumaney and Colin Ward. This is our Dylan Larkin episode, number 71 of The Owen 60 Podcast. And how fitting he opens the scoring Monday night from Lucas Raymond to give the Red Wings a 1-0 lead. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Reese Dumaney along with Colin Ward. And Wardy gets a very nice assist for yeah, like that, that open because it didn't hey, even setup, clue man. in when I went to check which episode this actually was. So hey, shout hey, out to when him. I, hey, when I'm out there, when I'm out there snapping around the ASHL uh, series for the boys, I mean, I'm out there snapping around. I'm a pass first guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, sometimes <laughs> I might have to put that C somewhere on the graphic this week. Yeah, we got to put a C up in the corner. Yeah, Dylan Larkin. And like the seventy-one, we need like the number. I got. I'll send you the jersey, like for the, for the graph, the seventy-one. Captain Larkin had to do it. In case any new listeners, yeah, Reese and I are big Red Wing fans, so just had to throw that out there too. On an absolute you heater did. right now, Dylan Larkin. You got to support him, stud. Yeah. Uh, yeah, lots to get to. This one, we kind of lucked out recording Monday night because a lot of trades went down. On uh, Monday afternoon, Monday morning. Uh, so we will get to that, of course, as we get into segment number two. Uh, the rundown kind of looks like this. We'll start with the featured game, the Ottawa 67s visiting the Hamilton Bulldogs this past Saturday. And then we don't have music yet. We're working on it. Uh, get to the stat of the week. Colin Ward, got a, always on got the, two sets. the, of the week. Got two sets. Got that two sets. Got two sets. We have some featured game stats, and then we have yeah. uh, another uh, stat. So another it's going to be a fun stat. one. Uh, moving on, of course, the three the trades that went down on Monday, um, coaching change in Erie that came out of left field a little bit. Uh, suspensions they continue, unfortunately. Uh, another slew foot this time. It's Grushnikov from Hamilton from uh, the Hamilton Bulldogs. So we'll discuss that as well. Of course, Kirsten Welsh making her OHL debut, the first woman lines person. Uh, in OHL history, so that was a great event uh, in Kitchener. We'll touch on that, of course. Rough game, we'll, too. Rough game, too. It was. She had to break up a Kept few her toes. Like, yeah, it was a rough game. Yeah. She had the veteran, though, Kevin Hastings, veteran uh, with her to help her out first game. I'm sure there's an adjustment period. So um, so we will discuss uh, Welsh making her debut. That was awesome to see at the odd. Um, of course, we'll get to the players of the week and players and teams who stood out to us. Um, from this past week in the Ontario Hockey League. And then we will get to our featured game for this week. And we already know who it's going to be. Who knew? But we're yeah, it's a fun not going to say it yet. We'll get to that uh, in our final segment of the show. I, yeah, but like you said, when we picked this game, when we picked this game, like you said, a lot of listeners were wondering why we haven't done this team, the host team yet. Yeah. Because like, yeah, I can't spoil it. I was just about to spoil it. I was about to have a blog. You were. I, I feel like you did spoil it there. Boom! On the ball. Ah, ah, no. Did I? We're not starting over. <laughs> <laughs> nope, we're going. We're in this. Let's go. But yeah, <laughs> I don't think I spoiled it yet. No. But yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Uh, no blonde moments yet for this guy. Yeah. <laughs> should, be a, should be a fun one when we head to. Just kidding. I'm going to tell you in the last segment, so. Ah, boom. <laughs> featured game. Yeah, time to get to the featured game from last week. It was the Ottawa 67s visiting the Hamilton Bulldogs this past Saturday. And it was a 6-3 to three final. The 67s getting it done, getting it done in the third period, I should add. Uh, I'll quickly run through the scoring for you because we want to make this first segment kind of one of the shorter ones because there's a lot to chat in segment two, and I know we're going to get into it quite a bit, so... Uh, we're going to run through this one a little bit quicker than usual um, because it was all one-sided in that third period. So really we're not even going to talk about the Bulldogs in that third because <laughs> they were really irrelevant. Um, but opening the scoring, Dylan Robinson uh, of the Ottawa 67s, Sirazadi, uh, Costantini getting the assists at the 809 mark in period number one. Then it would be that amazing guy from the Czech Republic, Jan Mishak. Uh, would get the next two for Hamilton. Goals number nine and ten 
on the season for him. Avery Hayes, George Diaco assisting on the first one, which was also a power play mark. And that was a beautiful play, by the way. The Hamilton Bulldogs working that puck uh, up high, down low yeah. into the slot. And there's a tie game one one. So that was a really nice play. Up high, down low in your net. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, high, yeah. low net. We'll, we'll get to it, but in a, a very unfortunate end to the night for Collins player, the player to watch. So uh, we'll touch. <laughs> oh, it. yeah. Yeah, um, I know. Then, of course, yeah, that was rough. That was pretty rough. Got a good name, though, just spelled differently. <laughs> oh, that second one by Nishak, Lawson, Shirk, uh, Gavin White assisting. That came at the 1632 mark of the first. And that would be all the scoring in the first 20. Head to the second. The Ottawa 67s would tie it up. Uh, Gatamak gets his eighth of the season. Luca Pinelli, show guest, and Cam- Cameron Kelly. Get the assists, a power play marker, 250 mark of period number two. Bulldogs would answer Avery Hayes is sixth of the season. Cole Brown and Colton Kammer get the assists, 855 mark of the second period. And that is all we would see in the middle 20. And that is all the Bulldogs would see because the Ottawa 67 scored four times in the third period. Hashtag show guest Luca Pinelli gets his first career. OHL goal at the 154 mark of the third period. Cameron Tolnai, Adam Varga get the assists on a play where, you know, Tolnai easily could have had that third Ottawa goal. Hits the post, and then if Luca Pinelli doesn't score that, then we're going to have a problem because he had a wide-open net to shoot at. Uh, Marco Costantini, no chance at all to stop that puck. Um, That made it a 3-3 game uh, at the time. Then it would be Gatamack again, second of the game, ninth of the season from hashtag show guest, Luca Pinelli. Uh, that would be the eventual game winner, <laughs> 919 mark of period number three. Final two of the night, Brendan Sirizadi from Cameron Tolnai and Thomas Johnston. That came at the 1853 mark, and these were both empty net goals. Brady Stonehouse uh, would finish off the scoring, getting his second of the year into the empty net. Dylan Robinson and uh, Vincennes Rower getting the assists uh that final goal came with 18 seconds left in the hockey game and what looked promising for hamilton after two periods leading three two you feel good about yourself um it's tough to you know really look at a period where you get it you're you outshot the outshoot the opponent 10 to 5 after getting outshot the first 11 to 6 and you're like all right we've got the momentum we've got the lead heading into the final period and then they give up four goals. And you know what the big turning point was in this game? The Owen Sisti turning point, we'll call it. <laughs> Not kind of, but you know what we're gonna you know what the effect was of the game? The effect's even better. What up, Matty Ruff? But uh the three so the three fifty-three minute or well, three minutes and fifty-three seconds to go in the second period when uh Nathan Stales dropped the gloves. There's a questionable hit and uh the fight. The 10 minutes, he was in the box for 17 minutes, and he stays. And that yeah, he got the, the instigator along with it. Yeah, and that changed the game. Hamilton was affected by him not being on the ice, and that, to me, was the 0-60, the effect turning point of the game, yeah. if you call that one, because there, there was really – yeah, I get that. I like the fact that you're sticking up for a teammate. I love that. I mean, Reese, you know that always. Oh, like, yeah. You may get hit like that. You got to do something. But in that situation – and in the time of the game and what the score was, it just hurts more with a guy like that off the ice than on it. So, yeah, that's a tough situation there for Hamilton. It's a tough situation for Nathan Stales, but you live and you learn. So, bounce back from that one. But the 17 minutes he was in the box for it definitely hurt the Bulldogs in that game. Yeah, I agree. Good point by you, Colin. That I totally forgot about that whole situation because even even ahead to the third period. It, it, it continues. I mean, it, it happened right at the end of the game, but Nathan Stales, just all the frustration pouring mm-hmm. out, gets a misconduct at the end of the game. And it's like, okay, what are you trying to accomplish here? Obviously not a yeah. whole lot at the time, but um, yeah, just that, that point of the game, like, like I mentioned, you just outshot your you opponent in that, that second period. You're up by one goal and you give it right to them. And it just you know, didn't work out the way Hamilton wanted to, obviously, but you know, you got to be a little bit smarter there. Just th- this is a big game against Ottawa, who now Colin mentioned it before we started. They're in first place. And yeah. Hamilton, if you get a win, uh, maybe you're not in first place, but you start 
something against a good Ottawa team, and you're four rolling. But they yeah, don't get the job wide. done. And after this win, the Ottawa 67s go to Oshawa and win. Exactly. And now they're on that's a nice little bit of a streak. So. Um, and the Oshawa Generals lose two in a row. So Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we'll touch on this too in a bit, but there's no teams established yet in the Eastern Conference. There's right. no established teams yet in the Eastern Conference. We're still waiting for a bunch of teams to be what we thought they were. And the Hamilton Bulldogs, which I've learned from the – the last couple of weeks, we've watched them pretty close, Reese. And the one thing I've noticed, they'll look really good some nights. Your system's fun to watch. They're, yeah. You can tell they're really engaged. But then there's some nights where you just physically grind on them if you're the opponent, and it wears them down. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going to happen. It's a new year. It's just starting. I mean, we're only about 15 games into the league, so there's still a lot of time left. But that's the one thing what I've noticed with the Hamilton Bulldogs when they get away from their system and their structure. And away from those fine details, they start to leak a little bit. And by leaking a little bit, they leak a lot with these losses. But that's a tough one there. And it shows, for example, with that penalty, when you have a leader like Nathan Steyos off the ice, it's going to hurt the teams like that. And, I mean, Hamilton's deep, but Hamilton had no Grushnikov in this game. Yeah. Steyos needs to be out there to get more minutes because the Grushnikov minutes are gone. And Grushnikov does a lot of penalty killing for that. Two for four on the penalty kill. That's 50%. <laughs> In a game like that, in a game like that where you gotta get a win, you're playing it's a four point sway in the game. You gotta get the two points. And they just failed to come up with it. And I mean, they got a big weekend this weekend, the Hamilton Bulldogs. So look for them to bounce back, but tough loss for them for sure. That's a devastating early season loss that could prove costly late in the year because those head to head matchups are so important. And everyone's gonna say, Oh, it's early, it's early. Yeah, but with the way the year is, you're going to have to win those because those are big losses for late in the year. Yeah, as we approach November 19th, this coming later in the week, that's yeah, the one month mark until they break for Christmas. And that's where you have to start you measuring are. yourself as you get into that last month. All right, where are we at? The trade deadline's approaching. What are we doing here? Exactly. Man. It's fire. It's witching hour. It's yeah. witching hour. That's what I want to call it, witching hour. It can be a nightmare real quick. It can be great. It can be great, but it can be a nightmare real, real quick on your season if things don't turn out. And that's where buyers and sellers are trick or treats, you could call them. Either a trick or a treat. So we'll see. Yeah, turning our te- attention quickly to the goaltenders, uh, I mentioned it. Colin McKenzie does not last the entire game. And I think this is more of an underrated um, part of the game than we thought. You could talk about the turning point with that fight with Nathan Steos. Uh, then getting the misconduct plus the extra two for instigating. Uh, Colin McKenzie pulled at the 855 mark of period number two. In comes Will Cranley, and he is perfect. 14 for 14 uh, in just over 31 minutes of action after Colin McKenzie only stops nine of 12. And I look at that moment as you get a guy in there who's been in the league so long, and yeah, you expect him to do that. You know what? You want to know something about Colin McKenzie. If you haven't saw him play yet – He's identical to Cedric Andre. The way he moves is Cedric Andre. And Will Cranley coming in like that Reese, is just a it's just a veteran move. It's what yeah. veterans do. It's what veterans do. And uh props to him and props to Dave Cameron. That's a veteran coaching move. That's because Reese, we both agreed on this one. We both thought, okay, it's about eleven fifty-two. Mm-hmm. We both thought, okay, another couple minutes, you might see McKenzie come back in, just regroup. Settle yeah, down. after the uh, mid-period break, you mentioned that. Think a little think a little bit, and then he might go back out there, but that wasn't the case. It's a veteran coaching move by Dave Cameron. I mean, two out of the three goals were soft. They were That's ones that through. he would like to – there were ones that he would like to have back. No questions about that one. And the one goal that Meshach scored, the first goal, when he went from right to left and buried it far side over the glove, that's just the goal scorer's goal. That's yeah. just a snipe. And it's going to happen, but hey, welcome to the OHL, Colin McKenzie. It's going to happen. You're not going to have your A stuff every game. Yeah. Yeah. As for Marco Costantini, he stops 21 of 25. He really didn't have a stellar night. Of course, a couple of them, no goaltender on earth is going to stop, but um, just Hamilton didn't get the performance from their back end. I mean, they only give up four. Two of them were empty netters. So it's not like he was terrible in the game, just um, all around, other than Will Cranley. I thought the starters were not good at all. Uh, whatsoever for Hamilton and Ottawa. So it is a 6-3 final. 67s get the job done uh, against the Hamilton Bulldogs. 
Colin was tracking the shots. And this kind of leads into our stat of the week a little bit. Um, tracked four players in the game to a side. And uh, we've got our findings from Mr. Ward doing the Lord's work, by the way. Uh, Matty Rowe, <laughs> shout out to him for that. Yeah, thanks to the insider. I mean, I think I need a, a little bit of Lord's work here with the mustache, but well, we need some work on that one. So maybe yeah. I can get some help on the November going here. But yeah, Lucas, uh, at Luca Pinelli, three shot attempts. Nice goal, too. So he had three attempts in the game. Cameron Tolnai, two attempts. You can check it out on our Twitter as well. All, both, both the shots were wrist shots from Tolnai. Uh, Lawson Shirt, two shots all in the home plate area. As expected, Lawson yeah. Shirt gets a lot of chances inside. Had one on goal, 50%. And then Yan Misak, the star, the star of the shot tracker on a Saturday, that's for sure. Five attempts, two goals. He's a leading goal scorer on the shot tracker this year. So nice. She's to fill. And uh, five shots, most of them from the home plate area on that left side where he can go to his forehand side from right to left. Like when we saw the two goals yeah. on one from the corner and one from the back door on the right side which is interesting to see him get a mm. net front present shot. So, and Meshack playing big. I like it. Then also we have a stat of the day. We'll go through a couple. We'll do the top. We'll do, you know what? We'll do the top five. We'll do the top five in the lowest five in the league. So veteran presence, the oldest teams in the Ontario Hockey League so far this year, the oldest team in the OHL this year, Reese, the Windsor Spitfires. Second, Mississauga Steelheads. Third, Barry Colts. Fourth, Oshawa Generals. Fifth, the London Knights. The youngest, and this is very, this is very, very encouraging for this team. The youngest team, the Guelph Storm. Very encouraged by this. 18.18 is their average age. Wow. That's the youngest team. And that's very encouraging. That's very encouraging if yeah. you're a Guelph, Guelph Storm fan. Obviously got older today. Adding a defenseman, an OA defenseman in that matter, uh, Cameron Zaprika. So they got a little bit older, but they're still the youngest team in the entire hockey league, even by making that move. Seconds, the Ottawa 67s, but get pretty good in the feature game. They got some good veterans there still, and they also got some good young players. I mean, Rich, as you mentioned, the puck explodes off Luca Pinelli's stick. Oh, yeah. Very good young, very good young team in Ottawa at the nation's capital. Third, the Saginaw Spirit. Kind of surprised, but they've had some transitioning. Obviously, you're going to lose guys like Perfetti. You're going to have to gain some young guys. They have it, and they have fourth, the Flint Firebirds, and fifth, the Peterborough Peets. So those are the five. Oldest in the five, lowest. Mm. Pretty, it's pretty interesting to see. Like, I didn't really expect Guelph to be the youngest team. Obviously, mm. they have a lot of guys. They have a lot of guys in their draft year, and I didn't really expect London to be that old because they have about like eleven guys on the central on the central scouting rankings. It's like how can you be that old? Say, for whatever reason, I have their roster up: one, two, three, four, eight, nine, ten, and no way we can't no count goaltenders. Uh, 11 rookies. Yeah, and one OA. Yeah. <laughs> That's very shocking to see that stat, that the London Knights in the top five oldest teams, so sitting in that fifth on the dot. Mm-hmm. I mean, Barry, Barry yeah, I kind of see that. Kingston's in the sixth spot, Reese. Niagara in the seventh spot. Hamilton in the eighth. Sue in the ninth, kind of surprising. That was kind of surprising to see Sue in the ninth, Kitchener in the tenth spot. That's the top 10 oldest. That's pretty interesting to see. I like those stats. I have always uh, liked to see what the oldest is, what the youngest is. I mean, get a read on it. It's relatively close, but yeah, it's pretty interesting. Colin Ward with this week's stat of the day presented by something. Well, maybe we'll get, you don't know. Yeah. Then we'll play the theme song because it'll sound awesome. We got a stat. Yeah, well, we got something in the works. So we do. There might be we do. There might be something coming up on the stat of the day. Some meetings are happening. Yeah, meetings are happening. Meetings. Zoom. <laughs> Tough to call them meetings. I hate the things word meeting. Happening. It's just they're all, there's insider. In, insider. Yeah. I'm gonna speculate. I'm gonna speculate. What up, Ruxy? <laughs> New York. Um, I don't appreciate you not giving uh, the most information. So, can you call yourself an insider? No, you cannot. <laughs> it's called it's called fraud that's something we like to call reckless speculation hey. Shout out to martian mellow for that for that long 
little uh inter interns <laughs> Mike neighbors the magic. voice of that yeah interns taking their magic absolutely uh <laughs> time for a break though when we come back lots to discuss in segment number two the trades coaching change more suspensions uh, some history being made in kitchener and of course we'll eventually get to the players player of the week goalie of the week and some players and teams uh, that kind of stood out to us both good and bad um, so we'll get to all of that next here on the own 60 podcast this is the owen 60 follow us on twitter and instagram at the owen 60 pod for all the latest updates and news from around the ohl Welcome back to the Owen 60 podcast. I'm Reese Devaney along with Colin Ward. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the Owen 60 podcast. Linktree is there wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We are more than likely there. And all the major ones, Google, Apple, Spotify, some other ones, SoundCloud, most major ones where, uh, where you get all your podcasts. So make sure you check that out. Uh, website link there is there as well. Um, yeah, at the Own 60 Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That's where we've got all the updates from all our featured games and any interesting stats that we see uh, throughout the week or accomplishments. So make sure you follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And kind of read off the rundown at the start of the show uh, and at the end of segment one, yeah, we're going to switch things up a bit. We're going to start with a coaching change. Something that I was like, okay, it's I, I still thought it was too early. And that's just yeah, my I opinion. It's inside. I mean, this season you could look at it. Well, sometimes you're going to run out of time because you don't really know. It, it's a tough situation. I'm always well, not liking when coaches get fired or can, but like the same time, it's like, I, I, I didn't think we'd see a change until at least December. So this situation, this is what I get from the situation. I think that Dave Brown and Erie and the Erie Otters just with the coaching staff haven't gotten traction since they were in the Memorial Cup. They really haven't had a tra- a year where they've yeah, had since, traction. Uh, Chris Knobloch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And they really haven't had that guy, that leader. They haven't been able to get over that hump of which they once were. And when you have championship aspirations, you're going to have to make those changes earlier than expected. And I think that Erie knows it, that they are that they are underachieving. And that is why they chose to make the move early. So then they can kind of get a regroup and there's still a lot of season to go. But unfortunately for the Erie Otters, it was early. And, and fortunately, they had to make a change that early. It doesn't look great, right? It doesn't look great on your team. It doesn't look great yeah. on your staff. But it happens. And uh, – it was the right move, you know, when time comes and Dave Brown's on the bench this year too with the Erie Otters. So yeah. it was kind of, and you kind of, and it was odd, right? Because like, he's never really, he's never really been on the bench for that club, right? He's always saw him in the press box when the Erie Otters are at games. I mean, it was kind of odd. So you knew something was close. And I mean, when you're on the bench, you really get a get close feel for it and you see things happening and just didn't like what he saw and you had to make the tough change. I mean, yeah, I think fortunately and unfortunately to make that tough move, sometimes it's a good move. Yeah. You got to make that tough move to win. And uh, that's what he did. I think this almost looks like that situation with the Vancouver Canucks. Their ownership is on their road trip right now. And you could ex- look yeah. at it the exact same way Dave Brown being on the bench exactly. with the Otters. And it's like, okay, we've seen this before. Dave Brown just did it. Something's going to happen yep. in Vancouver. And I think that's the exact same situation. Um, I'm yeah. not disagreeing at all with the move. I think something had to be done. I mean, you had Jamie Drysdale and, on your team. You obviously have tramp championship aspirations with a guy like that. And you really didn't come close and you yeah, look at a rebuild too. Yeah. You look at a rebuild in the OHL. It really should only take three years max before you're back competing in the top four for two to three years. Yeah. And it's been a little bit longer than that for the Erie Otters. Yeah. 18, 19 year old, 19 years old. You want your core to be. Yeah when you're good so yeah exactly three two three years it's a tough one i mean hoffman hoffman's getting older they have some players there they have some players there and they haven't been able to get much we saw chad yetman there right last season yep and they've had they had jamie drysdale they had some good players there and they just haven't been able to uh produce and as a team they've have the potential but 
let's see what they do here. You might see them go on a run. I mean, they scored four goals on the weekend against a lot of Knights on Saturday. They scored yeah. a lot. But you got to build off that, right? A lot of Knights are probably the most established team right now in the Ontario Hockey League. They still have to make some moves, I think, to really compete at the Memorial Cup level or to be a legit top four contender in the playoffs because the playoffs are a different animal. And they only they, – they scored four goals against Brett Rocher. That's a that's a step forward. Just say that's a win. It's one exactly. Yeah. You score four goals. You score you score four goals against Brett Brochu. What's going to happen when you play a lesser opponent with a goaltender that isn't going to be on the World Junior team like that? Yeah. Brett Brochu is one of the most elite goaltenders in the Ontario Hockey League this year. That's that's a plus. That's a plus. It's a baby step forward. So just keep taking steps forward, and eventually you'll get to the big prize. And this is the move I think that had to be made. Yeah, just give you a couple quotes here. We'll start with uh, we'll start with general manager Dave Brown in the article uh, on OttersHockey.com. He goes on to say, "BJ has been a staple of our hockey operations department for the last six seasons, and we're thrilled to promote him to the head coaching role." Coach Adams has showcased great pride, dedication, and patience in this organization, and we have full confidence in him as our head coach. In that. In that quote there, it's a lot like similar to college, right? When you have that coach in waiting, Adams was that coach in waiting. Okay, he's the understudy, right? You get to know the system, slowly put your own system in, let the players buy into what you have, and then eventually you'll be the guy. Now's the time. He is the guy. So I just want to quickly make a comparison there because that's what it sounds a lot like in that quote that, okay, you're going to come in as a young guy, you're going to get six years, right? You've been there a while. Yep. It's a lot like a college, a head coach in waiting type role in college where it's so similar. Okay. You're going to get this small role. You're going to maybe start with video. You're going to start. Okay. You're going to run the D. Okay. Now you get special teams. You get the penalty kill and the D. And next thing you know, now you're the head coach. That's solid. Yeah. He, uh, as an assistant served under Chris Knobloch. Uh, of course, the Otters were Midwest division champions. They were Hamilton spectator trophy uh, winners. First place in the regular season. Uh, won the Wayne Gretzky trophy. J. Ross Robertson Cup and appeared in a Memorial Cup final. So that has a lot to say. Um, in those six years, like Colin, you mentioned, he got the penalty kill and the Otters were one of the best. They had one of the best, yeah. uh, one of the top five units uh, three times, including a fourth place ranking in the 1920 season with an improvement rate of 14.4%, cutting power play goals allowed by nearly half from the previous so, ba- so basically it's like we just mentioned reefs it's like you're going to get this you're going to get a small role next thing you're going to get the big role and then that when that time comes you're going to get the big role and now that time has come and yeah. i think the erie otters want to get back to their old ways of how they do things in erie and that is in that are in that in those quotes that's exactly what i take out of that okay you're yeah. the coach in waiting you're going to do something small and you're going to do really good at it. And then eventually you're going to do something medium. You do really good at that. And then you just work your way up. And yes, Erie's penalty kill has been great. It also helps when you have a defenseman like Jamie Drysdale out there too. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> and then when you get a speed guy like uh, Yatman, that helps a lot, but exactly. It's huge to see that. And Adams is a detailed guy. Dave Brown's a detailed GM. They want details in the game and those penalty kill Reese, as you know, you're a huge penalty kill fan. You're a huge special teams guy yourself. When you see that, when you see stuff like that, it's huge, the details in the game. Those little details are huge. Yeah. Going up 14% like that on the penalty kill, that's incredible. That's incredible. That's a stat of the day. <laughs> and that's that's incredible to see. And those are the details that the Erie Otters need to get better on. Those are the details the Erie Otters had when they were in the Memorial Cup. And because you, you could arguably say the Erie Otters – they had, yes, they had Connor McDavid, but you could say they got better without Connor McDavid years after. Yeah, they went to Memorial I Cup agree. Connor McDavid, you could as a team, and those details they got from the McDavid era were massive. They lost those details. Now they're getting them back. They know that Dave Brown's a detailed guy. Adams is a detailed guy. I like the move. I really do. Just a couple of quick quotes here before you move on. Uh, shout out to Sean Bednard, voice of the Erie Otters. Um, for tweeting these out quotes from his uh, media availability with the local media uh, in Erie, Pennsylvania. Just read a couple here for you. Uh, He says that he's been waiting for an opportunity to be a head coach. 
uh, for a long time. Uh, he's excited about it, ready for the challenge of it, and ready to go. Uh, he goes on to say, it's a new start, new beginning here. The attitude has been great, very positive, and a lot of positive energy in the locker room and on the ice. Hopefully we can keep this and keep moving forward. And then just uh, just one more here. We are still We still are a young team with a number of first-year guys. Mistakes are going to happen. But that being said, we've got to keep working on the details of our game and being tighter in coverage and knowing where to be in certain situations. So uh, just a couple words from the newest head coach, BJ Adams. And there it is there, the key word we mentioned before we read the quote. And I honestly, I didn't even see the quote. I didn't even see the quote, but you mentioned details. Details are so important. And Reese, you know that about the penalty kill going up so much. Those details win you hockey games in April, in May, and get you to the June fun times. Well, this year, June. But it gets you to the fun times. It gets you to the party, the big dance. And I love to see that. I love details. I'm a big detailed guy in hockey. I think it's, I think it's the best. So I'm really excited to see what Erie does in the transition in Erie's game over the next month. Obviously it's not going to happen right away. It's hard, but there's going to be some nice transitioning here and the Erie Otters might be a fun team to watch. So if you can get up to Erie or uh, listening from Erie, get up and support your Otters. It's going to be a fun game, fun yeah. team to watch. That's for sure. Uh, moving on. Uh, the league's latest suspension being handed out to Artem Grushnikov uh, gets two games for a slew foot. He will be eligible to return uh, this coming Saturday at home against the Sudbury Wolves. And of course, Niagara Ice Dogs forward Jake Uberti continues to serve his suspension. Of course, he's allowed to return Thursday. Uh, the Ice Dogs, they don't play from now until then, so uh, he'll be back for that. It's unfortunate to see all those suspensions, especially for plays like slew foots. That's twice in the matter of a automatic. week, week and a half. So um, yeah, that's, that's unfortunate. Yeah, just an automatic automatic two games from there. And I knew Grushnikov. I figured Grushnikov was going to get two, similar to Gushin. And not a repeat offender, right? So two games, it's what it, it is what it is. If you slew foot somebody and get the match, that's an automatic two games. So you bet. he'll be back and you live, you learn. Uh, history in Kitchener, Kitchener Memorial Auditorium. Kirsten Welsh makes her debut as the first woman lines person uh, in Ontario Hockey League history and had a good one in Kitchener, I'd say. <laughs> yes, yeah, she did. I mean, especially that third period. Uh, I mean, Owen Sound, they like to throw the body around. I enjoy watching Owen Sound hockey. I really do. I like the way they play. I like the way they got their two veterans on the back end and Andrew Parrott. And their captain Mark Woolley and the team really, uh, they really t- the team really uh, follows them. I I should say, and they had a rough third period, and uh, she did a good job out there because she had to break up a couple scraps, and uh, mm-hmm. it was one of those third periods. I mean, no one sound Kitchener, you expect it. No one sounds a team, a veteran coach, old school guy. They're gonna want, they're gonna have those games. So it was nice to see. Uh, I guess for if you're a linesman. If you're a lines person or a referee, any official, you like those games, right? It keeps you busy, I guess. So yeah. those are uh, those a fun first debut, I would say. Yeah, we had a fight, a lot of misconduct. I had four misconducts, yeah. I should say. <laughs> it, was, it was one of those games. Um, yeah, in a game that Kitchener looked like they were on cruise control, 2-0, um, heading into the third period. And then, of course, who else? But uh, show intern Gavin Bryant Starts gets it the comeback. Not a big started. deal. Owen Sound wins four two. Um, so 13. yeah, again, that's again. Oh man! Uh, again, congratulations, uh, Kirsten Welsh, uh, making history. First woman lines person in Ontario Hockey League history. Now to the trades, and <laughs> it was busy. Colin started lighting up my phone a little bit. Um, while <laughs> yeah, I was at work, um, three three deals made on Wednesday. We'll kind of quickly run through them. Um, not quickly, but we'll try and run through them in yeah, order. So, well, we can start. You know what? We'll start with the they, they really aren't going to say too complicated. So, yeah, we'll start with the Owen Sound attack and the Saginaw Spirit. It was uh, Braden Hislop. Going over it from the well, the place where he's currently with the Elmira Sugar Kings, 
he went to he goes to Saginaw to depth move for a ninth round pick in this year's draft, 2022 draft. It's just one of those moves, give him a chance to play. Owen sounds very deep. We yeah. saw that this year, and chances of likelihood of him getting a chance in that lineup with his agent where it is is very unlikely. So gives him a chance to play in Saginaw. Good opportunity for him. All the best. Good luck. In yeah. now the and I'll go. You know what? I'll go to the second one first, which is a big move. With well, it's Ethan Ritchie. So Ethan Ritchie. I'll start with that one going to Sarnia because Sarnia flips a defenseman. I'll start from with Ethan, Ethan Ritchie going from Kingston to the Sarnia Sting. Nineteen years old for a twenty twenty three seventh round pick. But but the the but it's a conditional seventh. <laughs> so I had to make sure I emphasize the but because it's a seven, it's a conditional seventh round pick that will become a sixth if Richie plays his OA season for the sting. So a sixth round pick, if he plays, if not, it's a seventh. good move for the Sarnia sting because and this is the move of the day. In my opinion, I really like this move. And we've been talking about this before we went on air Reese 2024 ninth round pick to the Sarnia sting for OA defenseman, Cameron Saprika. I like that move five points in 12 games. I mean, I'm not looking at points for Sabrika. When I see Cameron Sabrika, I see, hey, there's my fourth defenseman. Reese, you've been around the Ice Dogs when you were there. You saw the, this league for a long time. You know how important it is when you have a third and a fourth defenseman that are over average, they're good third and fourth in that role. Cameron Sabrika is really good. He's a really good fourth defenseman in this league. Very, very good move. For the Guelph Storm, they needed that veteran defenseman. You're looking at Cam Allen. You're looking at some young defensemen there, right, where it's like, ah, they're a good team. They have talent. They're the youngest team in the league, right? They need to get that veteran defenseman. They get one. Perfect ad for the Guelph Storm. Your typical George Burnett fashion at a veteran. Perfect trade Perfect trade for the Guelph Storm. I believe they knocked it out of the ballpark on this one. It's a very good veteran presence to have. And plus Burnett being a Belleville guy getting a Belleville guy in Cameron Zaprika. So a little bit of a Belleville connection. I know our writer, Joel Vanden is going to like that one. I have a big Belleville guy. Well, when you mention it too, uh, with the ice dogs, I had a chance to see in the 2018, 19 season, uh, top four defensemen for the ice dogs. Hmm. Who were they? They were, you know, one, one of them was named Matt Broussard. You had Jacob Paquette, your top two. That's a pretty, really good. yeah, that's a pretty good duo. Um, and then, oh yeah, your second line, you go with Elijah Roberts who can skate around guys, even though he's a defenseman. Oh, what a smooth skater. One of the best I've ever seen. Um, and then, then you put him with Jonathan Schaefer who played with Ryan Mantha, uh, Aaron Hayden, uh, developing through the ice dog. So Schaefer, he was a veteran guy and it was nice to see him when we went to the, uh, that ice dogs game against the Barry Colts. It was nice to see Jonathan Schaefer and the rest of his, uh, Brock teammates. Uh, that was pretty cool. So. Uh, but yeah, that was the top four for the ice dogs. And then uh, you look at Saprika going to Guelph. And I think a lot of this has to do um, with Guelph noticing what the rest of the division is like Erie early. Are, are they going to compete for the division title? Probably not. Kitchener. We all had them competing with London near the top. Started like it was going through. Now yeah, exactly. And now it, can you really say that obviously it's early. You can say there's going to be a race at the end of it. It's Kitchener's fourth right now. They're seven points behind London, but I've thought, I I think they really haven't played to their full potential over the last couple of weeks. You look at the Owen sound attack. We've seen some very good games out of them. They've gone toe to toe with London every time that they have played the Knights, And it's been really fun to watch Colin. You've seen a couple of those games between the attack and the Knights. It's been really good. So, you know, this is Burnett noticing, well, clearly we're going to have to go through London. And if we, can't beat, if we can't beat Brett Brochu, we better figure out a way to keep pucks out of our net so we don't need it's, five goals to win a game. You know what it's a lot like? It's like a couple seasons ago, but it's the opposite. How the London Knights go and add defense, right? They go and add Will ahead in the offseason. They go and add uh, Joey Keane. They yeah. go and bolster their defense, right? to play teams like Guelph, to play that top line where they go get Suzuki and Whistle and Roll Rackliffe on the top line there, yeah. to bolster against that top line. Now it's the opposite. Now it's the Guelph Storm saying, okay, we're going to go out of veteran D 
who's been in a lot of places, but we want to match up. We're thinking about that game. We're thinking about that game at home against you in the playoffs where we have that veteran defense where we can match up, right? I feel comfortable. I can put Cameron Spreak out there against the Luke Evangelista line with Sean McGurn. That's the type of that's the type of move that is that could really pay dividends in the long run for the Guelph Storm because it's a really nice move to get in the way like that. Yeah. Well, and you, know, you, you could also look at it too. And we saw him play against the Kitchener Rangers featured game a couple of, a couple of weeks ago, Jacob Oster, rookie goaltender. Yeah. Played more games than Owen Bennett has. Owen Bennett's an 0-2. Or Bennett Jacob, did have a big win. Yeah, Jacob Oster this season, he is 6-2 with a 3.24 goals against average. Save percentage, yeah, you want it to be over 900, but 882 is very respectable for a rookie goaltender in this league. Are they getting protection to try and get Jacob Oster a majority of the starts here and use him as your starting goaltender the rest of the year? You could look at it from that situation as if you want – if you want to compete next year, Jacob Oster is going to have to play in some big games this year because you have to make a decision on Owen Bennett after this year. It, it's got to happen. Do you yeah. get rid of him? Do you move yeah. on? Do you and keep him as, as well? Yeah. Do you keep him as a you know little bit of a mentor to Oster, kind of help him in his sophomore season? Like that that decision has to be made. And I for sure you can't have Oster getting lit up all night because you have no D. So th- this move could also be, all right, this is this is the stepping stone. He's played well so far, but he's got to keep it up, and I think we need more help on the back end. So Saprika kind of fits that role. Oh, big time. And with the Guelph Storm, they had a big win on Tuesday in London with Owen Bennett backstopping him. That was a big win for Owen yeah. Bennett. That's huge to go into London and win those games. That's a big one. So that's a big stepping stone to move forward. And, yes, Reese, you're going to have to make a decision because they have Dixon Grimes, and they sent back from the – they sent back. Yep. That's a tough. They got three goalies there for next year. That's a really good point, Reese, because they're going to have to make a move. And when you see teams like Sault Ste. Marie, I'm going to quickly touch on Sault Ste. Marie because I don't think they're established yet. I mean, they played the most games. They played 16 games. But the thing is with the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, they, the goaltending has always been the question. Can they get a goalie? Okay, mm-hmm. so you're looking, you're looking Owen Sound right now. Jernad's playing really well. He's a younger goaltender. Matt Gusta could be on the trade block. Mm-hmm. Now you look in Guelph, you see Owen Bennett, who's got a big win in the bud. If you can win that game in the bud, that's a big boy win. Yeah. That's a big boy win in the league. You're playing big boy hockey when you go to the Budweiser Gardens. I mean, a lot of nights are for real right now. They have two losses on the season, one in regulation. That's a that, To go in there and give them their second loss, losing two in a row, that's pretty massive. Yeah. And that's a big-time win. So you never know. And I would – I would not be surprised if teams are calling Owen Sound and Guelph, looking at Owen Bennett and looking at Matt Guzda because those are two veteran goaltenders. And you look at Sault Ste. Marie, who needs a goaltender. Keep an eye out for that one because there's going to be there's going to be a couple of moves to be made at the deadline. Obviously, not right away. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but like there's going to be options there, and those are definitely big options if you want to improve your goaltender to make a run. Yeah, well, well, we've seen moves like this before. We've seen moves where you go out and acquire these overage guys or fourth-year guys, I guess you could say, where, you know, even if the Guelph Storm say, do we actually have a chance to, you know, um, compete for a championship? And obviously, if you could bring in Saprika, yeah, you think you do, 100%. But, but we've seen moves like this where you get those older guys and you're thinking, what was the point of that? They are not close. There's really no point in going acquire him. Ice Dogs, perfect example. Adrian Beraldo, stellar for the Ice Dogs. And I don't think that you could have gotten a better guy to help develop younger D, develop young goaltenders. And that's, that's a situation yeah. where I look at it. I don't – like, this doesn't make Guelph – it makes Guelph a contender. Does it make them a favorite? In my opinion, no. But, no, but they got they yeah. have they do have one and three more times before the break. Yeah, that's but a, that can really sway a decision. You can that's uh that's up to eight points. Yeah, that's pretty they, big. this this could also be a future move where you get them to teach, and yeah. what better way to do that? You've got a great coach, like you've got a great coaching staff in Guelph. They're in great hands. You saw what they did um, 
<clears throat> to the London Knights in uh, the uh, yeah George 2019 um, playoffs. Like you, yeah, you know, they, you know they're going to have guys competing every night, and whether this is a develop move, development new move, or if it's a move to begin something to get the domino effect going, say hey, this is the first of many. We're going for it. I don't know. We'll have to you know wait who, and see. It, it works out you, both situations. It works out both you ways. Know, you know who really benefits from this situation? Cam Allen. Oh yeah, third overall pick. Now, now you get that opportunity. You put it with Sabrika. You get that opportunity to let Allen join the rush a little bit, get some offense going. Everyone's talking about Richie Musty. Take a look here and uh, be ready because you might see Cam Allen explode onto the scene. I mean, I love his game. Mm-hmm. I think he's one of the best. I think he's the best young defenseman in the game with Ty Nelson. I'm very excited to see what he can do out of this. Yeah, Cam Allen so far this season, 16 games played, eight points, three goals, five assists for him. And he's a plus four rookie defenseman, yeah. plus four on a Guelph team that well, is pretty good right now. They're third in the third in the Western Conference um, for the time being. Obviously, I don't like looking at standings this early on, but we, we've mentioned it. The 19th is coming, and that's the one month mark till Christmas. So that's kind of where you mark your team from uh, moving forward. So, um, yeah, the, lots of trades on Monday. It was good. It was nice that we record Monday nights, that we got those trades. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I like to thank those teams. Thank you to the Sarnia yeah. Sting, especially making two moves. Thank you, Guelph. Yeah. Thank you, Kingston. Thank you, Sagan. Thank you, Owen Sound. Appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. Worked out well. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate um, that. One more topic to get to, and I think this will lead into a bigger discussion, which will um, take us a little bit longer than we probably should be, but yeah, not the first time. It happens. Um, yeah. We'll get to our players of the week first. And then this will kind of lead into that discussion about, uh, you know, other guys that we thought stood out, including uh, teams as well. So um, we will start with the player of the week. And it is Antonio Strongis of the London Knights. He had himself quite a week, I'd say. Um, yeah. Scored three times, four assists, seven points uh, over three games. Dallas Stars prospect um, doing really well. This past uh, this past week, oh, big time, big time! It was a really good week. I mean, obviously, the question is with Antonio Strongis was about everyone knew he was a good skater, but can he contribute offensively? Can he take that step forward? And if he can build off this, he can. That's for sure. Guys that have also been given recognition uh, this past week for having great weeks: uh, Lucas Edmonds. Uh, seven points, including a goal, six assists over three games. Uh, first our honors in Saturday shootout win over the Steelheads uh, on CBC. And then uh, hashtag show guest, Pasquale Zito uh, of the Windsor Spitfires. Two goals, three assists for five points in two games uh, for the Windsor Spitfires this past week. Moving on, goaltender of the week it is Mr. Joe Verbetic of the North Bay Battalion 100-1 with a .96 goals against average save percentage uh, north of 950 at 956. Yeah, very good. And then Tristan Lennox having a big week as well. So that's uh, very good for Verbetic. It was just a matter of time. I mean, very good North Bay team, very underrated North Bay. So uh, two good picks, do very well deserving, and they had a lot of company. So that's a that's nice to see. I mean, the league's really close this year. And I mean, obviously, like I mentioned, there's no teams really established yet. I mean, you could argue, yeah, the London Knights are 11, one and one, but I watched them play and I'm thinking, where's my guy that can make, that can walk off the wall and just snipe score 50. No problem. That Connor McMichael, where's that powerful shot from the point? Like an Evan shard, even Ryan Merkley, Ryan Merkley never had the power on the shot, but Ryan Merkley can get a puck through a seam better than anybody in the league at that defensive position on that power play spot or the quarterback spot on the power play. I mean, he was better than most. So it's interesting to see what's going to happen there in London. I'm sure they're going to discuss about it when you're 11, one and one, I'm sure they're going to look into getting that guy that can really snipe, but that's one thing to look out for it with a lot of nights. You might see a, goal scored move type move coming there at the deadline for the London Knights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that, that leads us into the, in our opinions, um, 
probably the biggest discussion other than the trades uh, for sure. But, you know, we get to that month mark and we'll have a chat about this more than likely heading into Christmas in the world juniors. Um, But where exactly are we right now with all these teams? You talk about, you know, the London's 23 points. They are three points better than the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds with three games in hand. And you're thinking, wow, that's a really nice spot to be in. But they're not the highest, like like you mentioned, goals. 53 yeah. on the year for the Knights. They're plus 20, which is really good. Um, oh, Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds have scored 73 times. 65 times the Guelph Storm have scored. Uh, those are the only two above the London Knights uh, in the Western Conference. In the East, Ottawa's put 59 in the back of the net, 64 for the North Bay Battalion as they lead that central division. Uh, 57 goals scored for the Kingston Frontenacs, 56 for the Oshawa Generals, 54 for the Barry Colts. Even Sudbury, they're in eighth place, but they've only scored two less goals than the London Knights, and they've scored yeah. 51. And that, that how, how big of a concern is that actually? You're first place. Like, why yeah. is this even a discussion right now, Colin? Well, with the East, with the East, it's a lot different right now. The West is so much structured and you're going through different goaltending. I mean, there's a lot of elite goaltenders in the West, and it's not knocked to the Eastern Conference at all, but there's a lot more elite goaltending in the West than the East. So that's one thing where you could say, okay, that favors you a little bit. But with the Knights, they just need that goal scorer, I think. I mean, I think they need that guy that can play on that that can put the puck in the net with the Luke Evangelistas and the Sean McGurns. I think they need that guy that can really score. Get And you'll have a lot of space playing with those two guys. They do a really good job. They need that guy that can put the puck in the net. One point is, though, they've had a they've had some success over the weekend here with a show guest, Brody Crane, starting to score. So that's massive because that's what he's going to do in the future there. For sure, he's going to score goals there. And that's nice to see, but they're going to need that veteran guy that can come in and score. They only have one away. How often do a lot of nights go all in with only one away? You never see it. So and that was an acquisition with Cody Morgan. Yeah, you never, you never see a lot of nights without go for it without the, the, their OA spot full. So yeah, take a look at that. That's something to note maybe for the future because I'm sure, I'm sure they're going to be going all in. I mean, you're in first place, and they're going. They're obviously going for the Memorial Cup this season, but. They're going to have to add to their own ways and possibly a goal scorer. So look for like that Kevin Hancock type uh, ad mm-hmm. from a few seasons back. Look for that type ad. Also talk about the Sioux Greyhounds. You saw them, Colin, and there's a guy that we expect to be great. And I obviously one night, one night you could suck. The next night you could be great. Um, but O'Rourke, Colin, you really weren't impressed with him uh, at the bud. <laughs> Yeah, well, he had a nice shorthanded goal, but, I mean, a guy like that in space, you can score like that with that much talent, right? Out of the box breakaway. Unreal Selly, though. That was unreal. That was hilarious. That That was awesome, but that's a Selly. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. but it just – I wasn't that impressed with him in his own end. I didn't think, like, it was – the. I thought his stick got invisible at times where guys could uh, fit the scene pass right through the stick. I mean, wasn't very hard on the puck. So it's just minor stuff like that. But those yeah. minor details go a long way to win hockey games. And it was just an off night, it felt like, for the Sioux Greyhounds until the third period. Right. Like the first 40, they were just kind of bustling a little bit, which it could have been the case. I mean, that's a long drive from Sioux St. Marie to London. So that's a situation there where it would be nice to pick up. And, yes, Reese, it's just one game. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens. Another ad I wanted to add, though, who looked really good, was uh, Tanner Dickinson, number 71, for the Sioux St. Mary Greyhounds. Very, very quick player. Very uh, good first step. The center for the Greyhounds, that is, too. He, very good step, first step. Gets up in the play quick. Uh, really, first guy back in his own end. First guy to lead the rush out with the puck. Just a high skill set, in my opinion. I think it's a good pick for the St. Louis Blues in the fourth round in 2020. I think that's a really good pick for them, so... Uh, Watch out for Tanner Dickinson because you might see a little bit of a bump throughout the year. And I mean, obviously he's having a good season, so uh, I'm not surprised. Yeah, well, in the way Sue's playing, they seem like really the early, way early favorites to win that Western uh, 
or that West division. Yeah. You see them up 20 points, second place, obviously leader of the divisions get one and two automatically. Uh, the next closest team to them are the Windsor Spitfires, even with three games in hand, six points behind the Sioux Greyhounds. And if the Greyhounds want to, they could quickly run away with this and have a commanding possibly 10 point lead heading into Christmas. You never really know. Obviously, Still lots of time after that, but uh, the Sioux Greyhounds, really nice start for them, 10-6-0 uh, to begin their season. And then in the East, and we, we, we kind of mentioned it in that first segment, early second segment about, you know, who, who, do we, who do we pick here? Who's got the best chance to win? Do we say everybody? Do we say nobody? <laughs> like, it's... It, First place, the Ottawa 67s, 21 points. Eighth place, Sudbury Wolves, 13. Eight points is a wide mark, but in November, it really isn't. No, and I mean, it's weird to see the Eastern Conference because like we mentioned before, there really isn't any teams established yet. There's no teams that have really showed that they're, that they're ready to take the division by the horns and say, this is our division. We're winning it. It really hasn't been. I mean, like we said, the Oshawa generals look good. And next thing you know, they lose two in a row. Yeah. Hamilton, Bull- Hamilton Bulldogs, they start to hit their stride. Next thing you know, they lose a couple games in a row. I mean, Ottawa 67s. It feels like whatever team is in that top spot, the next weekend they're in like the third spot or the fourth spot. Mm-hmm. It's changing every week. It's like the stocks, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's unique. It's unique. I mean, 50, 59 goals scored for the Ottawa 67s, 55 goals against. That's too much against, yeah. in my opinion. So they're going to have to clean that up if they want to stick it out. I mean, the Hamilton Bulldogs, 51 goals for, 49 against. There's a, That's not impressive at all. And, I mean, the North Bay Battalion, they're sitting there looking real pretty. If you look at that, uh, 64 goals for and uh, 50 against. And even that's nothing great compared to the West, but it's better than nothing. So, yeah. Well, and you, th- you think eight points is a wide gap between first and eighth. First and seventh is only separated by five. It's a lot like the Western Mississauga Conference. is that seventh pre-COVID. team with 16 points. Do you remember that Western Conference pre-COVID from like ninth to fifth was like three points? Yeah. That's what this is going to be like, but in the East this year. So that's going to be fun. And I think in the playoffs, you might see some upsets. Because of that, if it stays the same, obviously it's going to change. But if it's the same, there's going to be some upsets. Yeah, and that's going to be exciting. I hope more teams decide to buy it and sell because that yeah. really makes it exciting. But it evens out. Yeah, that's the thing about the first round. I want it to be competitive for once. And I think this is the one year that we can get these series well, going six or seven games. And that's and that's, that's what could be exciting. And I know I really shouldn't be saying this. And I, it's tough for me to say this because it's – so so early and i mean 14 games played in 15 games but i don't even want to say it but right now if it started it would be barry hamilton six and three six first three obviously it really it means nothing but i'm just yeah. saying like kingston oshawa would be a good series two four change. five yeah it's something then yes sudbury ottawa that would be there's, there's some battles there. there's some upsets waiting to happen. So obviously it's early and teams haven't sold teams haven't bought, but it, it could be exciting. I hope it stays the same. That would be nice. Absolutely. Um, good chat, man. Nice chat. Second segment there. Oh yeah. It was fun. It was a fun one. Always is uh, time to take a break though. When we come back, uh, we've got our featured game for this week. It took a lot shorter time to figure it out because we decided after the Hamilton Ottawa game, like that night, while we yeah. were watching the Wings and Habs. So um, it could be a fun time. one. We'll uh, preview it for you, and uh, we will be there, hopefully, waiting for approval. But uh, <laughs> it would be nice to be there. Uh, so Hope we will so. discuss our featured game after this break here on the Own 60 Podcast. This is the Owen 60. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Owen 60 pod for all the latest updates and news from around the OHL. Welcome back to the Owen 60 podcast. I'm Reese Dumaney along with Colin Ward. And we are finally going to be covering them. Our featured game this week takes place November 20th 
at 4 p.m. It is the Kitchener Rangers making the trip to Budweiser Gardens to take on the London Knights. A very good Midwestern division matchup. And it's an always a fun one when you see Kitchener and London hook up. Um, just to let everyone know, because uh, we weren't 1,000% sure if uh, Mr. McKenzie was starting in Hamilton, um, we've made the executive decision. Um, players to watch will be released on Twitter, either on game day or maybe maybe a day before, but uh, we'll see. We've made that executive decision because goaltenders <laughs> are a factor and we want to see certain goaltenders play. I think it's easy to pick who's going to play for the Knights and net, so we could probably say that. But uh, in terms of the Kitchen <laughs> Rangers, is it Parsons? Maybe. Probably, but... Um, you know, yeah. What what are you looking for out of this one, Colin, between Kitchener and London? I'm looking for a very spirited matchup here. I'm, I really am. I mean... It's a three and three for both teams. I mean, Saturday, Sunday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for both for both teams. So it's going to be interesting. The last two games of the weekend, head to head, I think it's going to be spirited. I think it, there might be a little bit of play through the motions, a little bit of feel it out. First time of the year, yeah, play each other. I mean, it's a rivalry. There's going to be some animosity in the game. It's going to be exciting. It's hard to say what else to expect. I mean. Kitchener, I think, is going to have to come out and match that intensity, and they're going to have to bring it to the London Knights because London Knights right now are the team, and the Kitchener Rangers, where they are right now in the standings, they need, they desperately need to win those four-point games, and if they come out with some, if they come out and play desperate, that could be a big, big weekend and get a possible eight points sway in the weekend here if they can come out and play well, so Look for that. I just look for the Kitchener Rangers to come out and play and match that intensity of the London Knights because I know I know the Knights are going to have to come out hard because Kitchener is going to be coming at them. So it's going to be interesting to see. It's a rivalry. I want to see how the systems look and those little details are going to be big. You got to stay out of the box. You can't take penalties against them. And the big thing is too, as well, for the London Knights, can that Barky Smith and Crane lines keep heating up because that's mm-hmm. going to be the matchup too. That's going to be a matchup because that. Penelope Evangelista lines going head to head. It's going to be exciting. That's exciting. That might be the best matchup to see so far this season. But then you look at the depth. You look at the depth. Can the Barky, can the Cranes, can the Smiths, can they can they own a shift or two? Because if they can, that's going to be a big, big factor in this hockey game for sure. And uh, speaking of Brody Crane, Brody Crane's my player of the week. Brody Crane is my player of the week for sure in the OHL. He didn't have the points, but it's nice to see those details start to come in his game driving to the net and uh, the good things are happening finally. So uh, congrats to Brody. Yeah, for me. And I think this kind of will draw in and kind of foreshadow to who my player to watch will be. But I think the biggest key factor for the Kitchener Rangers is there, there's two responsibilities that Jack I has this week. He needs to play disciplined and stay out yeah. of the box. That's a good point. Very good and, point. Because we saw it against Guelph. Very yeah, good point. And, and he needs to be 100% from puck drop because he's going to be the defender on the ice against that Evangelista line. He's got to be ready right from puck drop because yes, it's, you know there's a good chance it's going to be Pinelli against Evangelista to start the game. You know well, there's a good is... chance that's going to happen. It's going to be one versus one to start. Can he be focused? Can he stay disciplined right from puck drop? And this is the toughest task of the season for both clubs, you could say. I – Coming into the season, right now with the no out of conference play, the Kitchener Rangers were the deepest team to take on the London Knights. Them and yeah. Sault Ste. Marie were the deepest team to take on the London Knights. So the opportunity right now for Kitchener is massive. This is the biggest task of the year for Francesco Pinelli, the Rangers captain, for Arbor Jack, either top defenseman. This is the toughest task of the season for them, no question. Arbor Jack, if he can keep his composure and not take penalties, massive watch the difference in this game watch the difference in this game you can't take penalties against london knights you can't do that you never have been able to and the kitchener rangers probably know that better than anybody and it's vice versa for that matter but you gotta you gotta play it smart and i really like that pick with jack Irish because it's massive it's the biggest task of the season that's for sure obviously that player might change we'll see how the week goes on but uh also too as we as we get ready to wrap up the show 
that building's starting to get pretty full in London. There was a pretty <laughs> good crowd there on Friday. Yeah, there was. And uh, it's nice to see the building start to fill up a little bit. And uh, it's exciting, that's for sure. Yeah. So we'll see if that plays into that plays out as a factor. I'm sure it'll will, or I'm sure it will uh, in London. Always have good crowds, especially against the Kitchen Rangers. May get a few Rangers yeah, fans making the trip down. A very favorable well, start time, 4 o'clock in London. That's very favorable. Very rare, too. It's very rare yeah. in those 4 o'clock games. It's odd for London because, like, it doesn't really matter what time the night start because they sell out anyway. So it's, it's I, weird. I interesting. Know. It's interesting. They could play that Saturday night at 7 and still sell out. Even yeah. though the Leafs are playing on Hockey Night in Canada, they can still sell out. Yeah, it's just the Leafs. Who cares? Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, yeah. So that is going down Saturday, November 20th, 4 p.m. at Budweiser Gardens. The Kitchener Rangers are taking on the London Knights. That wraps up the show for this week, the Dylan Larkin edition of the show, episode number 71. Put a nice little C on it. Um, and it was fun. There was – it was – this was the best. Like we said, thank you to the teams who made trades. That was great. Yeah, that second segment got me. Yeah, that, that was, was clutch right there. Can't wait for the deadline. Deadline, that second segment's going to be. Oh, yeah. Ooh. It'll be fun. Yeah, can't wait. A couple months. Let's Play uh, the yeah. horn. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Stay tuned at the On 60 Podcast for that featured game on November 20th. And we will chat in seven days. Uh-huh.